Thank you for tuning in and welcome to the 100% Hustle podcast that shines light on business hustlers who are willing to give their advice for business wins and lessons learned on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton, and I have the incredibly talented Damon Brown, entrepreneur, best-selling author, coach, keynote speaker, app developer, husband, and father, you name it, as my guest today. Welcome to the 100% Hustle podcast, Damon. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. I have been spending time learning more and more about your work, and it is fascinating. And I am just drawn in. As a hustler myself, you give some great great advice. So I've been looking forward to speaking to you. We could do a whole series just on your achievements. Tell me just a little bit more about your multiple business lines and why that is so important. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the warm introduction. So my background is journalism. I have two degrees in journalism, a master's in magazine publishing from Northwestern. And then I ended up pivoting into creating apps. And it really started when I was talking with a friend of mine, and he's trying to remember a quote. And I was like, isn't there an app for that? And there was an app for that. And suddenly I found myself as an app developer. The exact same time I proposed to my wife, we got married about a year after that. And then about three months after that, we found out we were pregnant. And so within a two-year period of time, I went from a journalist and sometimes book author to a full-fledged bootstrapping app developer for my first app, So Quotable and being the primary caregiver of our then first son, who was four months old when my wife went back to work. And someone who was helping me actually on the app, who was doing the tech side, because I know a little bit of tech, but I don't know it too much, actually bailed and took the code with him. And so suddenly, as I talk about in the Bite Size Entrepreneur, my book from a few years back, I was coding with one hand and rocking my baby with the other. And that turned into so quotable. I was able to get it out the door. That got the attention of the TED conference. TED asked me to do a talk, did a three-minute talk, partially about the stuff I discovered while I was doing that and about juggling family as well as entrepreneurial ambitions. And that led to me getting the attention of two other app developers <laughs> who I ended up co-founding an app with them called Cuddler, which connected people for hugs, similar to oh. Tinder or Grindr or those kind of dating apps, but strictly platonic. We got a quarter million users and we end up selling it after funding it on our own about around the time of my son's second birthday. Yeah, it had to be a second birthday. And so that whirlwind kind of taught me about what I call non-traditional entrepreneurs. I'm African-American. I have a lot of friends and family and colleagues and people that I support there in the LGBTQ community. There's so many diverse ways that we can express ourselves and be connected to community. But when I lived in Silicon Valley, it was such a narrow view of what entrepreneur is. So becoming a non-traditional entrepreneur, we had a second kid. I was still doing entrepreneurship. And now I'm coaching other people on that path to create cool things without sacrificing themselves financially or familiarly. Because I saw a lot of that in Silicon Valley with people saying you can't have partner. You definitely can't have kids. You need to sacrifice everything to have entrepreneurial success. But I did it, you know, while I was primary caregiver of our first son with our second one on the way. And so it's like, there are ways to do it. And so my mission is to help people do it. 
I'm almost speechless, but that's not really my character. That makes two of us. (laughs) (laughs) But I was trying to jot down all of the things that you were naming off. And I mean, in that short space of time in the two years, your entire world transitioned, you know, from journalist to app developer to husband to father to all of these things at once. And, you know, any one of them is a huge task. And so I commend you on finding the balance between all of that. One of the things that sometimes impedes people to go forward is because they feel like if they are going to tackle something, they need certification or some sort of specialized training. And you talked about being a journalist and then developing an app without any real sort of skill set in that area. How do you tackle that? Yeah. And I'm a business coach now, so that's part of what I do as well as the public speaking, which kind of started with Ted. And one of the things that I often share is a separation between your job and your career. And the job is the thing that you're doing right now, the thing you get the paycheck for. Whomever you're working for owns the job. Your career is something that you own. You take that with you. You figure out the parabola or the arc or what have you, storyline, as we say in journalism, the narrative of what that is. As you go along that narrative, you're taking stuff along the way. So I'll give a really simple example. I was and still am a journalist, have been a journalist for, I wouldn't even say how many years. <laughs> Let's just say decades. One of the things you learn to do is to absorb things really quickly because I come from a traditional newspaper background. And so if you're dropped off somewhere and it's like this event is happening, you need to do a thousand word story on it you're dropped off at an event, you have about an hour, maybe, to figure out what the heck's going on, to figure out who the key people are, to get quotes from them, to figure out what the narrative is, back to narrative of that story, to make it entertaining, or or at least interesting or informative for those readers, and get it in on deadline, and figure out what words you're going to do to describe the event, to describe the people. Like All those different things I'm just rattling off, these are things that you learn as a writer, particularly if you're a nonfiction writer in journalism. Those things apply really well to coaching because then you meet someone, you figure out within 15 minutes, because I usually have a 15-minute session to see if we're going to work together. You figure out what vibe they're at, where you're coming from, where you're at as a coach, where they're at as a client, where they want to go career-wise, what you have. So what I emphasize, to get meta for a second, what I emphasize as a coach and when I'm talking to other people is to concentrate less on your job and your title and more on your toolbox. Like that toolbox, as far as that makes me a decent coach now, is based on decades as a journalist. I just became a coach probably about five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago now. But half of that toolbox was already there. Because you have to ask questions, you have to listen, you have to observe, you have to pick up on the context of everything. So focus more on the toolbox that you have. Your toolbox, you're going to take it with you, no matter what you go from a, being a grave digger to a public speaker <laughs> to <laughs> you know, a longshoreman. Like It doesn't matter. There's certain tools from each of those vocations that you're going to take with you. And if you're feeling beat down or challenged by your current job, Realize that your supervisor or that organization can't take that toolbox from you. At least for me, I find that very empowering.
Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. I love the toolbox analogy because you are acquiring tools throughout your journey. You're collecting them in your toolbox. And although you take your toolbox to your job and you do the work and you turn the wrenches, you get to put them away and go home with them at night. They're still mm-hmm. your tools. So I like that. And I also like another comparison that you had used in terms of a job is theirs, like the employers and the career is yours or your passion or your skill set in this case your toolbox you know absolutely so yeah. and that and, sat and with i think me. we tend to forget that that gives us our power back right i want to dig into this so much but i'm fearful that i would be asking you to get all your tools out of your toolbox from your coaching so <laughs> we don't want to do that but fair enough you know you are talking about coaching you're talking about the tedx talks which i think you're doing in the near future again You've got books that come out so frequently. I'm so impressed. And you've got this marketing line. You've got so many things going on. But tell me, how do you balance? You talked about balancing the familial world and financial world. How do you balance family and work? And then to help our listeners, can you just describe a day in your life? Yeah. So let's do the first one first. So there's so many different analogies and so many mentors that have helped me figure out what balance is. And the best analogy that comes to mind right now is you think about the old school scales that you would see like at a pharmacy. They don't really exist anymore. They're all digital. But the scales where they weigh back and forth, right? Traditional scales. When something's being balanced, it's not still. You put something on it and it'll sway to one side. And you put the other thing on it, it'll sway to the other side. And then what happens? If you're our age or older, (laughs) you know what happens, right? Where it goes back and forth, back and forth back and forth. And to be honest, it never really gets still. It just gets still enough for us to figure out what the measurement is. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at balance, where there's going to be certain moments where things are going to be way out of whack. I did seven books in six years. I'm not going to do another book for a little while. (laughs) Right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm like, I'm good. I said enough. It's like 300,000 words out there. I said enough. (laughs) <laughs> and I have my show, the Bring Your Work show at youtube.com slash Damon, And I'm taking a lot of these books that I've published and putting them onto the site. But I'm remastering them and I'm using AI to do illustrations for them because I'm not an illustrator. So the original <laughs> books aren't illustrated. Like I'm doing all the stuff for it, but it's not me writing the books. So that's a sense of balance where there was a period of time where there was so much for me to say. Quarter million words I had to get out. And I'm like, I said what I had to say. Enjoy the work. I'm done speaking right now. Come watch my TV show three times a week. Sure, so that sure. itself is a sense of balance. So I don't think it's a matter of saying everything is equitable, which I think is a different discussion. Rarely in my life have things been equitable. More like things have been balanced. There's a season where I wrote my butt off and I was just publishing books. This season now is more about the YouTube channel. And as the world starts to open up, 
doing more in-person keynotes, which I love and I miss. So that's a sense of balance. For me, the average day is I wake up at around 5.35 a.m. I get around everything ready. Around 5.35. <laughs> I like <laughs> around that. Around 5.35. <laughs> <laughs> and I try. And then I get the breakfast, lunch ready for the boys. My wife works from home now. So she'll come downstairs while I have breakfast, whatever, or she'll have breakfast with them while I finish up the lunch, or I'll drop them off at school. And then I'll have from 8 a.m. to around 1.30, 2 p.m. of a solid work time. And I usually will take a shower. I usually will take a nap. There's certain things that I build in. And I know that the best way I can explain it is that I learned when I was much younger, I'm so thankful I learned it earlier, is that if I'm going to be there for my partner, if I'm going to be there for my kids, if I'm going to be there for my clients, all the different things that I do, as you mentioned, if I'm not taking care of myself, then I can't be there for them. And so Your oxygen mask on first, right? Like, let's just sit with that for a second. It's such an important analogy. Put your oxygen mask on first. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I don't get, I usually nap for like half an hour. So if I don't get my half an hour nap, then I'm not going to be as sharp when I have some international clients, when I have a client meeting at 8 p.m. after I put the boys to sleep, like if I'm not functional, then that's not going to, right? So I'm either going to sacrifice that half an hour during that six hour workday to get myself together. And that's going to allow me to live longer. That's going to take care of myself, all those other things and be more present and more joyful for the people that I want to support. Or I can skip the half an hour, get a little bit more work done because it's not going to be as productive because I'll be tired and then be cranky for the rest of the day. <laughs> Nobody so wants me, that. It's a, that's when logic comes in for me. I'm like, it's a logical trade-off. I'm like, of course, I will sacrifice this half an hour of work for me to do maybe an hour's worth of work later, that's even better. But I need to make that sacrifice now. I think sometimes, particularly with the clients I work with, sometimes we forget that. And we're like, no, we're going to push harder. And it's like, no, no, actually being softer sometimes will get you further along. Sure. And it, it makes me reflect on the whole value proposition of time because your words were that if you didn't get that 30 minutes nap, that your character may be a little cranky later on. And if that's the case, you're you're being very kind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to tiptoe around this. (laughs) It's okay. We all have our days. (laughs) But the idea is that you recognize that you need that restful period to be able to give a better version of yourself when you're transacting with clients or even your family or anybody that you engage with. And so you've identified that and then it's important. So it's an investment in yourself and in that further transaction for the quality purpose. So it makes total sense. Looking for office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing and save. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office outlet has a huge selection of new and used office furniture from brand name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Save 50 to 90% on used seating, desks, files, and more. The office outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. I love 
the framing around sacrifice because you've talked about that in multiple different ways throughout your work. And so the idea of sacrifice, I'm not going to steal your words here. I'm just going to ask you to speak more about it. <laughs> Talk to me about your focus on sacrifice. I love that. Thank you. A sacrifice is going to happen. When I talk to a potential coaching client, I make it clear to them that, you know, there is no panacea. So at a certain point, you need to do the work. And that's going to require a bit of a sacrifice. My book that came out, my latest book is called Career Remix. The book before that is called Built From Now. Came out about two years ago. One of my favorite books of mine, which is tough because, as you know, you're a fellow author. You know, if you have a favorite book that you know how much work you put into it. And it talks about the four different resources that we all have. We have a focus, we have agility, we have time, and we have energy. I call them the fates, so it's easy to remember. So focus, agility, time, and energy. One or a few of those things are going to get sacrificed. That's kind of the thing. If you only have a certain amount of time to work on something, then your focus is going to be really high. And I don't know about you, but when I focus on something a lot, then I tend to be tired afterwards. Agility means adapting to different things, so new circumstances. Time, obviously, it's time. And energy is obviously energy. And so I think the key thing is to know what you're willing to put on the table and say, I'm willing to let this go. When I worked on So Quotable, which was that first app, and the later one was Cuddler, the one that we end up selling, I wake up at 3.15 in the morning, which is why 5.35 is not that bad now. But I wake up at 3.15 in the morning and I'd work on the startup, the two startups from 3.15 a.m. to 6 a.m. And our eldest son would wake up on the dot at 6 a.m. So I knew I'd have that. It was about three hours. And my partners were overseas. So it'd be their lunchtime when I'd be waking up. My whole point is that during that period of time, the sacrifice I did was time and energy. Now, I was a lot younger then. I can't picture doing that now. <laughs> That's one of the things that I encourage, and hopefully this isn't too much of a tangent, is to really lean into whatever resource you have the most of. When I was younger, I had a lot more energy. I don't have the energy now, probably because of the <laughs> of all the work that I've done. But I'm a lot more focused now. So I get a lot more done in a shorter period of time, and it doesn't take as much energy because of the proverbial toolbox. Yeah, So leaning into say whatever you have. Yeah. So you hear me, you see where I'm going. So it's like, you know, whatever you have, you know, use that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're retired, then you probably have a lot of time. You know, that's more time than I do. So it's like, okay, okay. So use your time. Even if it takes longer, you got time. Sure. That's an area that I've been reflecting on myself in this conversation and before the idea of time and how that is one of your four core kind of areas that you're looking at. And we've got the energy and agility. But I mean, time, of course, we all have a lifetime and we don't know when it ends. And so I've been reflecting on that again, value proposition, you know, is your toolbox worth more or less as you have less time, you know, and it's really something to pontificate and perhaps is another podcast for us to sit and ideate on. But the idea of 
you know, time value of money? Is it the same for time value life? And reflect upon that. It strikes me, you know, we retire when we're older and then we have time. Is that when we have to <laughs> right. focus the on irony passion that, right? projects? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And have we sold our best years to an employer if we don't take mm. the chance to go and do the thing that makes us happy? You know, so many people say they're going to work and retire and then do all these great things, travel the world and do these things. And it is so unfortunate and way too common that you then hear that they retire and then within a month or so they pass away. And I think, how can that be? You know, because we just don't know when that finish line is. And so it speaks to me, all of this speaks to me and I'm the one going on a tangent now, but, you know, I think that your books are very thought provoking and the concepts that you flush out in your writing, they make folks who want to just kind of, you know, have a dream session, sit there and think deeper and more critically and take those concepts and roll with them. For that reason, I encourage anyone who's listening to us to go and get your books and start consuming them. I just want to kind of close up on something because you are extremely entrepreneurial and you have a lot to say. And I wish we had more time But if people do want to learn more about your work, if they do want to inquire about your coaching, how do they reach you? Sure. And thank you for the lovely summary. You can reach me at damonbrown.net. So that's D-A-M-O-N-B-R-O-W-N.net, kind of the headquarters for all that good stuff. And so what I recommend as far as a first step, if folks are interested in the work that I'm doing, is to also check out my TV show. It's a Bring Your Worst show. It's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 1, 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm based in Las Vegas, and so it's over. It's early afternoon for me, but you can subscribe for free. It's at youtube.com slash Damon. And it's really been, speaking of passion projects, it's been a passion project of mine for about two and a half years. And the amount of people that have come in just in the last couple of months has been amazing. And the community has really grown. And that's where the new thoughts are coming in. I'm about to go to the TED conference, as you hinted at. I'm leaving for that in a couple of days. And so I'll be doing some, I almost want to say reporting, but it's not reporting, but sharing some of the big concepts from there. And then, yeah, it's an interesting avenue as far as with these big ideas and even continuing. Here's the best way I can describe it. When I do a keynote, I look at it as me setting the table. I'm really into food. So I look at the keynote as me setting the table. And then the Q&A afterwards is really us having the meal. I feel like the books and the TV show are the same way, where you could grab the books, you know, at my own publishing company. So definitely support independent authors, whether myself or other folks. Again, they're available at DameBrown.net or from your favorite retailer. But the books are really the beginning of the discussion. And then the TV show, which is around 300 episodes now, it's like all these different tangents and conversations that happen ideally as an effect of the books that have come out. So look at it as an extension. So if you want to start with the books, rock on. The TV show, though, it's almost like taking the books and creating something 3D out of them. Yeah. 
Thank you. I am going to make sure that all of that information is captured on the Michigan Business Network where the podcast will be based. But I encourage everyone listening to definitely check it out. Damon, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here with me today. I'm glad you carved out a little bit of time. That is the thing I'm taking away is be sort of balanced and focused on my time so that I can get more things done and hustle. I think that's the beauty is that if you structure things a certain way, then you can make time for those things that really matter. But that does require, as we talked about, a sacrifice of some other things. So what really matters to you? Oh, and I had my childhood in Michigan, which I forgot to mention. So I grew up in Lansing and went to school at Oakley University over in Detroit. So yeah. I miss Michigan. Hope you all are doing lovely as I'm over here in Vegas. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for having uh, making the Vegas time, Pacific time available to me. So it's an early morning for you. I am going to wrap us up here. We're out of time, but we're not out of hustle. So thank you for joining me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for tuning in to 100% Hustle. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton on the Michigan Business Network. Mm-hmm.